now is mind renewal, about renewing our mind. The Word has a lot to say about uh, renewing your mind and renewing your mind to the Word. And so we spent some time talking about why it's necessary to renew the mind. Uh, Remember we said that um, when you became saved, when you became born again, when you came into the kingdom of God, um, your mind was not saved. Your spirit was born again. Remember we, we brought the three guys up here and we showed the three parts of man. We said that your spirit, you possess a soul, you live in a body. So what became changed at salvation, at the event that you came down, gave your life to Jesus Christ, made him your Lord and Savior, what changed was your spirit on the inside, okay? But your flesh did not change. Nobody changed their flesh. Nobody became a different person on the outside. And uh, your mind, your soul realm, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. You still thought like you used to think. You still wanted to do the things you wanted to do, and you still uh, could be led by your emotions instead of your emotions coming in line with your spirit, okay? So this is why it's necessary for mind renewal. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 was our key verse that we've been looking at that says uh, that by renewing your mind, you are able to prove out God's will for your life. Well, how many of you know that your will needs to change when you come into the kingdom? It's no longer about you. It's now about what God wants you to do. Uh, But the problem with that is your mind can still be uh, changed or misled by fleshly desires. So instead of all of a sudden acting out of patience with someone that's getting on our nerves, uh, we still act quickly and sharply and have rude responses. Instead of acting... Um, out of peace, when a bill comes out that we weren't expecting and it's not in the bank to pay for it, uh, now we can respond out of, uh, instead of responding out of peace, now we we still continue to respond out of anxiousness or fear or worry. What are we going to do? Sickness. We don't know the authority and the dominion that we have over sickness in our body, and so we still operate out of fear and out of worry and those things. Um, So by renewing your mind, this is how we figure out what God wants us to do, how he wants us to live, how he wants us to exist in this earth, and this is how we abide by that. Remember we talked about, um, you know, back in the old day when you had the cartoons and you had a guy that was, you know, had a crossroads, and you had an angel on one side and you had a little devil on the other side trying to uh, deter him either way or swerve him either way, and... um, That's basically what we're in. The greatest conflict on this planet um, isn't fought with cannons and machine guns and nuclear warfare. The greatest warfare fought on this planet is in your mind. And it's whether to do God's will or your will, period. Every day we face these uh, conflicts. Every day we face these decisions. You know your life is made up of decisions. Our lives are made up of choices. And your tomorrow is based upon the choices you make today. Now, the great thing about it is your choice today can erase your choice from yesterday. That's how redeeming God's love and God's, uh, God's mercy is, is. What we did yesterday does not have to affect our tomorrow, but what we do today will affect tomorrow. Okay, And your life is made up of choices. Your life is made up of decisions daily. Uh, we are... We have these conflicts going on and these choices to make. Are we going to do right? Are we going to do wrong? Uh, How are we going to treat that person? Um, How am I going to respond in this situation? All that is made up in your mind by a choice that is directing that. Okay? Um, You know, we know this as uh, teenagers that our lives as teens sometimes affect what we do, what what we end up doing as an adult, uh, whether good or bad. Your choices can be influenced, good or bad, and your choices can influence others for good or bad. Okay? So understand your life is made up of choices, and that's where this conflict comes in. That's why mind renewal is so important. So we looked at why it's necessary for man to have a renewed mind. Second thing we started to look at a little bit is how 
do we renew our mind? What is the process? Because it is a process. Last week we said that mind renewal is not an event. You cannot go back in your life and say, that's the day that I renewed my mind. You can go back in your life and say, that's the day I gave my life to Jesus. That's the day I got saved. But mind renewal in and of itself is a process. It's ongoing. And we always run the risk of uh, falling back or digressing back into previous thoughts, and your previous thoughts will lead to previous lifestyles. Um, You know, my wife watches this show um, on TV a lot. It's called Clean House. I don't know how many of you have heard of it. Uh, The show bothers me, man. It's just, and this is why it bothers me, is because they go, they take this team of people into this house with this family. It's usually a couple, maybe have some kids, whatever. And they just live like garbage, man. I mean, they just got stuff everywhere, scattered all throughout the house. And, um, and it always goes back to some, some way they were raised, uh, something that happened in their life that just got them to be clutterful, things they don't want to get rid of. They have a problem getting rid of things. And here's the thing. This is why we're talking about my renewal, because you go in this house You change all their junk up, throw it out. You know, they have this big yard sale, and then they earn money, and and then they come in, and the team uh, will then spend money um, on fixing up their house, repainting their house, remodeling their house, buying new furniture, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so one week goes by. They've done all this stuff to your house. But the problem is, is we've only changed the outside. (laughs) So now we've got the same family going back into a different house, but still have a mindset problem. Because I don't care how neat and nice you make the house, if they don't have any understanding for filing stuff, if they don't have any understanding for throwing garbage and deciding when something is garbage and when something is still useful, if they haven't gotten rid of these bad habits, That's what we're talking about. I have to get something out of you before I can put something in you. I can't just go up to you and say, this is what a clean house looks like. Now, look, this is what a lot of people expect from their pastors. I'll tell you right now, this is what they expect. I'm not what they call a pocket pastor, which means I'm not just going to, oh, I'll just get my pastor on it. Or, oh, I send, I'll just get my... I don't have a confession booth here. You don't have to come here and tell me all your sins because Jesus made it very clear. If you sinned, you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. I don't even have to step in on that process. But what people a lot of times expect their church to do is come in and erase all their problems and change their lifestyle and nothing has to change with them. And it just doesn't work that way. So what am I doing? I am working on getting something out of you, an old mentality of sickness, an old mentality of finances, an old mentality. Because remember I said that if I can't get your head somewhere first, I can't get you there. If I can't get you to understand what God's word says about finances, then you're going to have trouble in finances. If I can't get you to see what God's word says about sickness, then when Satan brings sickness on you or brings pain on you uh, and you don't understand how to get rid of it, you're going to live in it and you're going to justify why it's on you. And you're going to make up excuses and make up reasons why you're still battling this thing. Okay? This is why mind renewal is so important. This isn't just come in, erase all your problems, throw away all your junk, and bring you back into a nice new house with the same mentality. Because, And I think they even may have done one, one or two shows where they went back. In fact, I remember they did one. They went back like a year later, and hey, exactly what you would expect, man. I just went in extreme makeover. Yeah, okay, now I got you this big house. Um, and I, my question's always been, what do they do about the bills? Because now I've got you a bigger house that's got more utilities, and how are we going to keep this thing up? I mean, I venture to say... of those houses you go to, because what's got to happen? They've got to make a direct mindset change, and they've got to make a choice that, look, we're starting over today. We're changing the way we live, not just where we live. Because I can change where you live, but now we need to do something to maintain that and keep it. And maintaining 
is always more work than obtaining. It's always more work. You can obtain a marriage, but maintaining a marriage, that's more work. You can obtain a job, but maintaining a job, that's more work. You can obtain spiritual knowledge and a spiritual lifestyle, but maintaining it, we want to learn how to maintain. Okay? So we're going to turn a corner this evening. Um, we've dis- we discovered why it's necessary for mind renewal. We discovered what we're renewing our mind to. It's the Word of God. Period. I'm not, I'm not renewing your mind to what I'm saying. I'm not renewing your mind to what the pastor down the street is saying. I'm not renewing your mind to what the preachers on TV are saying. If it ain't the Word, it's not God. And if it ain't God, then you're simply following after man's decisions, man's lifestyles, or your own. One or the other. And a lot of people like people that say, do your own thing. Be your own person. Be independent. Live free. Do what feels good, right? It's the American gospel. And people like that because it takes the responsibility of having to gain knowledge and then doing something with it. With knowledge comes responsibility. We know this. So I'm giving you knowledge, and there's responsibility that comes with it, but, man, it's going to give you the life you're looking for. It's going to give you everything you need because it's the word of God. It's not my word. Okay, so we are renewing our minds to the word. Well, we need to know what <clears throat> we need to know what the word says about our lives, how we're supposed to live, what we're supposed to look like, what we're supposed to do. We're not just wearing a Christian label and and put, putting on our Christian sticker when we're around people that want to know about it, and then ripping it off when we don't want to talk about it. Uh, we're not putting our Christian label on here and then walking out the door and, and leaving it here and coming and picking it back up on Sunday. Um, this is the lifestyle that we're supposed to live daily. Amen. So uh, let's get into this. Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you that we can renew our minds, that your word leads us and guides us to what you want us to do, how you want us to live, so we can be your uh, citizens, your representatives in this earth. You've placed us here for a reason, Father. I thank you that you help us see that this evening. You show us that this evening through your word. I thank you that I use my time wisely, that I speak only what the Spirit would have me speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm going to kind of open a door here tonight, and this is something that we're going to kind of, uh, it's basically going to direct where I'm going to go for the next three weeks um, following tonight. But I'm going to kind of open the door, and I'm going to show you three specific areas that we are supposed to renew our minds to. Um, this word, renew, begins with two letters, R-E, and that word, or that that, uh, what do they call it when it goes on the prefix? That prefix, re, means to go back to something. So if we're renewing our minds, we are coming out of a sin nature and renewing our minds to God's nature. Well, I'm going to kind of open a door here because we're going to see some stuff you, you may have never heard. You may have never seen, but we've been talking about it. Remain teachable. Uh, Keep your minds open to the Word. Um, Don't keep your mind open to just everything, but keep your mind open to the Word and allow the Word to do its work in you. Um, But we're going to kind of point out three areas. We are going to point out three areas tonight that God wants our minds renewed to. To find out what God wanted man to do in the earth, we have to go back to the beginning. We said this before, that if you want to find out what something was made to do or how something is supposed to work properly, we need to go back to the beginning and learn what, what was the original intention of this. Okay? So we're going to go to the beginning. Where's the beginning? In Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Let's begin. <clears throat> Let's begin with... Um, uh, let's start with verse 26. We'll start there. We know what happened in Genesis chapter 1. God shows up, and he decides that he wants to create earth. So he creates light. He creates the moon. He creates the stars. He creates animals. He creates grass, water, sky, Uh, sand, everything, 
Is there anything in this earth that was not created by God? Okay. Nothing. But there was one specific thing that he made that had a specific purpose. And just because something gets off of that purpose doesn't mean that it's no longer capable of working that purpose. So we got to go to the beginning and find out. In Genesis 1.26, God gets to creating man, and he says, And God said, Let us make man in whose image? Our image. That's the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Our image according to our likeness. That means it bears his characteristic. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now look at this. God, when he created the earth, and we've said this before, but it bears repeating, and I'm going to keep repeating it because that's what this message is about. This message has become about a religion and about Christianity, and it's not about that. The word is just simply not about that. If you go through the Old Testament, they're not looking for Christianity. They're not looking for a belief system. They're not looking for something to believe in. They were looking for a place. And God placed us here for a specific purpose, and that was to have dominion. We've said it before that God is a king. God's kingdom, and a kingdom is simply a king's domain or a king's territory. Okay? That's where the king rules, and he ruled in heaven. But God brought in something called colonization, and that simply means to expand your territory. And God did this when he created the earth. But God never intended to rule earth from heaven. He placed someone in charge here on this planet to do that. People ask sometimes, uh, you know, is there life on other planets? No. Because God created this planet for that specific purpose, and he put people here to do that purpose. Okay? So he created Adam. Adam is who was created here. He was created in his image and his likeness. Why? So he could rule the earth like God would rule the earth. So God is ruling the earth through man. Very simple. So God gave Adam dominion. He created him in his image. In his likeness, he gave him dominion, authority, over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, cattle, everything on the earth. He gave him dominion over it. He was in charge. Adam was in charge. Okay? So the number one area that we have to renew our minds back to is rulership. That is the number one area. When God created this earth, he put man in charge. We know what man did. We know what Adam and Eve did. Your ability and authority in the earth is uh, directly sustained by your ability to remain in authority to God. If you come outside of authority to God, then you lose your authority in the earth. Don't expect to... uh, don't expect to be having God answer all your problems and praying to God to, to do something in your life and to expect to have authority in an area in your life if your life and your uh, will is not lined up to his. Period. We know that uh, God said that if you disobeyed him, you would die. Did they die immediately? Physically, No. In fact, Adam carried on for, I think, over 900 years. That's a long time to keep on going after you have cut yourself off from God's plan. Okay? But spiritually, he died. Spiritually, he lost contact with God, and he was immediately removed from authority in the earth. He handed it over. He didn't just lose it. He actually gave it. When he sinned, When he disobeyed God, because remember, sin is simply disobedience to God's word, period. It's disobeying the king's word. If the king says to do something and you don't do it, you're in sin. There's no grade or level of sin. This one's worse than this one. This one's higher. This one's lower. It's all sin. If I murder someone, that's the same thing as lying to someone. I disobeyed the king. It's that simple. 
When a king says something, you do it. And that's what Adam and Eve did. So by doing that, they actually handed over, they forfeited their authority and gave the authority in this earth to someone else. We know who that is, the enemy, Satan. So Satan now became the ruler of this earth. Let's look at some verses that identify this real quick. Uh, John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 31. Says, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. This is Jesus speaking and he's talking to the enemy. John chapter 16, verse 11. John 16, verse 11 says, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. And then the last verse, John chapter 14, verse 30, John 14, verse 30 says, I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. These are three passages that Jesus is pointing out that there is someone else in charge of this earth. There is someone else that is calling the shots down here. There is someone else that has taken charge. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they committed the worst thing you could do in a kingdom, and that is treason. They actually handed themselves over to someone else's authority. And they disobeyed the king. Okay? So we have to understand this. The number one thing that we are to renew our minds to is rulership. And like I said, your ability to... Uh, walk in authority in this earth is directly related to your ability to remain in submission to God's will. You know, we saw this in, um, I think it's in Samuel, first or second Samuel, with King Saul. Y'all remember King Saul? He's the first king of Israel. And remember, uh, who is king? God. God is king. God always was king of his people, of Israel. But now we have the people of Israel. They decide that that's not good enough for them. They want a king in person. They want a king that they can see. They, can want, they want a king that they can personally hear from. Okay? Man was so far cut off from God that they couldn't even see him as their king any longer. So Saul steps in. Now Saul, he originally started out good. And God picked him. Samuel didn't go out. Remember Samuel the prophet? He didn't go out and decide, uh, that guy. Remember, he, he had God show him who was supposed to be king. So God picked this man. And he started out good, was on God's side, and was ruling the people as God would rule the people. But then he got off. And he ended up making some choices on his own that took him out of submission to God's will. He was at battle one time. <clears throat> Saul was, and God told him, take no spoils. Kill everything, kill every animal, get rid of every spoil, have none of your people take any of it in war. And what did he do? He kept some of it back. In fact, he spared the king himself. And Samuel showed up. Samuel showed up and said, what have you done? He did exactly what Adam did. He disobeyed the word of the king. He simply disobeyed the word of the king. So Samuel shows up and he says, what have you done? Why do I hear cows going on? Why do I hear people in the background? Why do I see all these spoils everywhere? And Saul, you know, the coward he was, blamed it on his soldiers. Well, the people, they wanted to keep it. Or the people kept it. And he told him, he said, because you have, re Samuel told Saul, he says, because you have removed yourself from underneath God's authority, he is removing you as king. Why? I can't have no king ruling my people in the earth outside of my authority, undermining my authority. God's saying this. So he removed him as king. And who did he place in his, in his place? David. David, who was a righteous king. Did, did David mess up? Sure. He messed up. He messed up big for a king. Messed up huge. But he was a righteous king. Why? Because he was quick to repent. He was quick to hear God's word and to rule the people the way God would rule them. That's what God's been looking for this whole time. 
But God said, it's not enough for me to pick priests and prophets and kings to do my work in the earth. I've got to go further. I have to go further. I've got to get everybody back the way I created them to be. So how does he do that? He sends his son, Jesus. And he sends his son, Jesus, as a king. As a king in the earth. And we saw that last uh, Sunday. We just saw that on Sunday. The head of the church, Jesus Christ, he is a king. He was the king when he came to this earth. And he didn't look like a king. In fact, the very people that spent all their life looking for this man to come back completely missed it and put him to death. Okay? But Jesus came back as a king, and by him dying on the cross, he gave us back that dominion and that authority to rule and operate in this earth. So this is the number one area that we have to renew our minds back to. Now, know this, that what I'm doing is I'm opening the door, and for the next three weeks we're going to be looking at each of these individually. But I kind of want to just give you an idea of where we're going for the next three weeks because we're, we're turning this corner. We've seen why it's necessary, but now I want to show you what exactly are we to renew our minds to. And we have three areas that if you, renew, if you renew your minds to these three areas that we're about to outline in your life, if we get our minds processed in this way, then you're going to do exactly what God created you to do. Period. You're not going to be looking for that day when I get to go to heaven. You're not going to be failing in your marriages. You're not going to be failing in, in, when sickness comes on. You're not going to be failing when, the, when your finances start talking to you. We're going to be stronger for all of it. We're going to be the representatives that God wants us to be in this earth because we're going to renew our minds to these three specific areas. The first one is rulership. The first one is being renewed back to our authority that God gave us. Um, the second one, the second one that we need to get renewed back to, and this one's huge. And this one, when we get to this evening, it's going to be big. But the number two area that we need to renew our minds back to is responsibility. The first one was rulership. The second one is responsibility. Now, here's where I'm going with this. Let's look at this in... Um, <clears throat> In Genesis chapter 1. I, you know, I just wish that there was more on Adam and Eve before the fall than there is. Because man, we could just, what's here is great, and it really shows us some stuff. But what their life was like before the fall is what we're supposed to be living. And... Christians, believers, have written off the Garden of Eden like it's unpossessable, unobtainable, impossible. But there are ways, just in the first two chapters chapters of the entire Bible, that are outlined in there that direct and show us what we're supposed to look like. I just wish there was more, but there's enough here. We're going to go with what we've got. Amen. Um, look at this in Genesis chapter 1. Go right back there. Remember in verse 26 we just read that God created man in his image, in his likeness to rule. That's why he created him. Chapter 1 verse 28. This is two verses later. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the earth. There's that word rule again. Over the birds of the sky, every living thing that moves on the earth. So now it's actually, it went from God saying, let's do this, to now God actually telling Adam, here's what you're doing. But notice here that he has instructions. He has instructions for Adam and Eve. Things for them to do. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. He continues on with some more instructions here. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden. Notice here that Adam and Eve didn't have a choice. (laughs) Adam and Eve didn't have a choice where they were going. They didn't say, ah, you know what? That beachfront property over there looks pretty good. Let me go over there. You know, know, I'm a mountain kind of guy. Let me, God, how about the mountains? 
I think me and Eve could do pretty good up in the mountains. We'll build us a little cabin. They had no choice. They were placed in a garden. They were put in the garden. That's an interesting note. The Lord God took them, put him into the garden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded. He commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may freely eat. But from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you eat from it, you will surely die. So notice here that he's given man instructions. Notice here that Adam and Eve, they are not concerned with anything else but God's stuff. God's stuff. They were placed in the garden, not where they wanted to be. They were told to cultivate it, to keep it. You know, people always think of the Garden of Eden as paradise. Nothing to do. Free living. (laughs) They had a boss. And they had instructions, commands. Say, God commanded them. This is what you're supposed to do. Cultivate this garden. Keep this garden. Be fruitful and multiply. That wasn't only in their own lives with their children. That was the trees, make sure they're being fruitful. The animals, make sure they're being fruitful. The ground, make sure it's being fruitful. That's what he's talking about. They have a job. They have an assignment. And their responsibility is to God, not to themselves. They're not walking around worrying about what they're going to eat. They're not, worried, they're not walking around worrying about what they're going to drink. They're not worried about what they're going to wear because they didn't even have to wear any clothes. They didn't even have that thought process. They weren't worried about where they were going to live. God placed them in a garden. And he made all that available to them. What was the one thing they had to do? Tend after his stuff, and he took care of their stuff. It's pretty exciting. God's responsibility. So what is our responsibility? To look after God's thing. We see we just went through and fill the earth, subdue the earth, tend and cultivate the garden. I mean, that's work. That's work taking care of stuff like that. Okay? Man was not concerned. Adam was not concerned with himself. But you can say it, you can put it this way, that when man sinned, he lost his mind. He lost his mind. He lost the mind of Christ. And we're going to go through this. We're going to find out. You know, we've always said that, that verse, I have the mind of Christ. Do we? We're going to find out if we really have the mind of Christ. And we're going to find out what that word means. And we're going to go through it. When we hit the responsibility part, uh, you're going to find a, a major thought process shift big time. Because man in the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden, They weren't worried about themselves. They weren't going home worrying about how to get food on the table, how to get gas in the car, how to get, uh, how to pay for the rent. These things were not concerns. They were concerned with God's things. When man fell, when he sinned, he lost his mind. He no longer was able to think. Let's look, let's look at that. I don't know if I put the verse in there, but let me find it for you real quick. Um, Yeah, I did. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Do you have it there? Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. This is is what happened immediately after they sinned. Immediately. Watch this. This is amazing. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together to do what? Make themselves. This is the first time that you see Adam and Eve doing anything for themselves. The first time. Immediately. They sin. They get out of alignment of God's will. And their mind is no longer take care of God's things. It's now, what am I going to wear? 
What am I going to eat? Where am I going to live? And this is why man began to work for a living. This is why man began to uh, get money to try to find a physical, natural way to obtain things instead of just letting God bring it to you. You think God provided them food? Sure did. You think God provided them drink? Sure did. You think God provided them shelter? Sure did. All of that. I mean, we'll go through it. In Genesis chapter 2, he says, uh, it says there, I think there's four rivers that ran through this garden. I mean, if you can't get something to drink out of that, I mean, there ain't no Pepsi, Pepsi machine up in there, but there's four rivers. There's plenty to drink from. It says in there that he gave them every tree in the garden to eat from, not look at, except for the one, to eat from. They were taken care of. Take care of my things, I take care of your things. Very simple. Very simple. And we see here that immediately after they sinned, their mind shifted. Thought processes changed. Mentalities uh, became different. Instead of saying, I just need to take care of God's things. Now, this is the first time they made themselves coverings for themselves. Okay? So that's the second area that we're eventually going to look at. The second area, or the third, I'm sorry. We just said the second. The first one was rulership, our authority in the earth. The second one was our responsibility. What are we supposed to be busy doing? Why are we running around trying to pay rent? Why are we running around trying to get food on the table? Why are we running around putting all these hours into these jobs but we're not taking care of God's things? Second one was responsibility. The third one is relationship. Man's relationship immediately shifted when he fell. When he fell. Let's look at what it looked like before. We got to go back to the beginning. Man's relationship fell. Um, Genesis chapter 3. Kirk, did I give you one of those? Okay. We'll start there. Did he, was it 1 through 14? All right. We'll do that. I don't have them written down, so I'm following you. Now, this is the beginning. This is where man fell, but I'm going to show you something here. Now, the serpent was more cunning. That means tricky. Than any beast of the field. You notice Satan did not just come out and say, God's a liar. He doesn't care about you. Follow me. He's trickier than that. He's more cunning than that. And he's still doing this today. If he can get you to doubt one part of the word. In fact, look at this. He says, the serpent was more cunning, more tricky than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Did God say that? Yes, God said that. That's truth. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. She was right. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. God never said that. God never said that. Now, the last time I preached this, Last time we preached this, I had a guy point out to me, he said, just like a woman, not to get the facts right. (laughs) I won't tell you who it was because you don't know him anyways, but it's pretty funny. Anyways, I didn't find it humorous, not at all, but he did. Um, But look at this. God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. God never said you couldn't touch it. But this is key. Because her inability to rightly divide God's word allowed her to be strayed by one word. Next verse. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. He threw one three-letter word in there. One tiny three-letter word that changed mankind forever. 
And because she wasn't straight, she wasn't head on with God's instructions. And you know, God never gave the instructions to Eve. He told Adam. Then he created Eve. So it was the man's responsibility to relay to relay the instructions. So somewhere there's a miscommunication. Somewhere somebody dropped the ball. Hmm, I wonder. Okay? But that's a whole marriage counseling session in and of itself right there. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, this is the serpent still talking, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Isn't that just like the enemy? Why did he get cast out of heaven? Because he wanted to be like God. Pride. He wanted to step up in the ranks. He wanted to overtake. And in a kingdom, you can't do that. Your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Did they know good? They knew good. But, you know, how many of you parents... If there's some things that you wish your kids never had to find out, and there was a way for you to do that, would you do it? If they could just never have to find out some of the crazy stuff that goes on in this world, and there was a way that you could hide that from them for the rest of their life, you would do it. God had the same thought process. They knew good, but the tree... Gave them the knowledge of good and evil. Any good parent would want to hide. You know, you find some of those parents, you know, they need to learn it on themselves. Why? Why? You know, they just, I'll let them, you know, they'll have to find out about drugs on their own, you know, and if they try it, then they'll learn that it's no good. Yeah. Give me a break. Any good parent would do everything they could. I know with my son, there's so much junk in this world. If I if there was a way that I could keep him from all that, I would do it. For God knows that in the day you will, your eyes will be opened, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise... She took of its fruit and ate. She gave to her husband, and he ate. Dummy. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Their eyes were open. He told the truth, right? Eyes were open. Well, look what happened. They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound. This is where I'm wanting to get. They heard the sound. Of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God actually walked in the garden with them. That's how close this relationship was with their king. That's how close it was. And now they're hiding themselves from God. Because of sin. Sin is separation. And that's exactly what it does. It separates you from your authority. It separates you from your true responsibility. And now it has separated them from their relationship with their king. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now I want to look over here because this set a course. This set a course for mankind that... Their relationship, man's relationship with God, is completely severed. And now man, God, is having to devise ways to still have contact with his people. He's still having to work. He's he's trying to figure out a way. How can I get back to my people? Those are my people. God still loved man. And he came close to wiping everybody out. He, all he was looking at, I mean, if you look throughout the Old Testament, he's looking for righteous people. You know what that word righteous is? 
It just means to be in right standing. It just means I'm just looking for somebody to obey my word. That word righteous has nothing to do with being born again. To be born again, you have to be righteous. Being born again is a righteous act because God says now, you have to accept my son as your savior and your Lord. Okay? But righteousness, Adam lost righteousness. Righteousness is a position that you have with God. That's what righteousness is. Abraham was counted as righteous. Moses was counted as righteous. Joseph was counted as righteous. The word says that David, King David, was a righteous king, that he operated righteously. That's what these people were. But God was looking for a way to make all these people, all his people, righteous. Not just a select few. He's simply looking for people that will obey him at his word, the king's word. Um, I want to go over here to John, John chapter 8. John chapter 8 and verse uh, 19. You know, it's just it's just so amazing to point out. I mean, they, God walked in the garden with them. Said that they heard the sound. They knew what his voice sounded like. I mean, how many people today can say that? You know, now we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, which is far better. But to hear God's voice on a regular basis. I mean, he's just coming on down and walking in the garden with them. Why? Because he's king. And he's checking up. Are the people that I placed, I mean, what kind of what kind of boss are you if you never go and check up on people that you delegate tasks to? That's called irresponsibility. If you delegate only to pass stuff off, well, you can't delegate because delegation is not here you do it and I go twiddle my thumbs. Delegation is you do it, and I watch you do it, and make sure you're doing it the way I would do it. And that's what God did. God delegated his authority to Adam in the earth and says, I'm giving you authority over the earth. I created the earth to expand my kingdom. Now, are you doing what I asked you to do? And he's coming down. I mean, they knew his voice. It's just amazing what they walked away from by one simple act. And they said to him, this is in John chapter 8. They said to him, where is your father? Jesus, Jesus answered, you know neither me or my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. So the world does not know Jesus. The world does not know the father. Remember we said this, don't let the world tell you who your God is. Don't let the word don't let the world tell you who your father is. You let the word tell you that. Don't let the word the world tell you who you are. They can't tell you who you are. Only God can tell you who you are. Dreams and passions that God gives you are only walked out because you shut everybody else up, not because you listen to everybody else. You'll find that when God gives you a dream or a passion for something, you're going to find far less people that will push you towards that be, uh, unless they're led by the Spirit. I mean, that's probably one of my number one things as a pastor in this church is to be led by the Spirit on your gifts and your callings. Because I don't want to be one to slow you down and pull you back and see you uh, who you are today and not who God wants you to be tomorrow. But there will be people in your life that aren't going to be led by the Spirit, that don't want to be led by the Spirit, don't want to hear from the Spirit. And they are not going to push you in the direction that God's calling you. Because they only see you as Chuck today. And God's got a different Chuck for tomorrow. When you look at Noah, he worked on that, he worked on that ark for a hundred years. A long time to be working on an ark when there's no rain and you're surrounded by people. How many times in 365 days do you want to give up and say, 
Why? Because none of them, none of them were hearing what God told Noah. That's why they didn't end up on the boat. Anyone that would have encouraged Noah to build a boat would have ended up on the boat because they would have been a righteous person. Very simple. Okay, so this is what God is looking for. But these people, they didn't know Jesus. Jesus is standing right in front of them. God in the flesh, his son. And he says, you don't know me. You don't know my father. I mean, it said over in John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it said the darkness comprehended it not. That meant that the people in the world were ignorant to who he was. They didn't know who he was. We've lost our relationship with the king. Man has lost his relationship with the father. Hebrews chapter 9. This kind of just outlines a little bit. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 6. Without getting into too much detail. uh, But God did set up a plan to atone for man's sins. That man could be forgiven and these things could be changed in their life. And out in the wilderness, he had... uh, Moses built a tabernacle, a tent. And there was only one person that could go in. We look here in verse 6. Now, when these things had been prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle, performing the services. Verse 7. But into the second part, the high priest went alone. Once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and the people's sin committed in ignorance. One man had to go in for the whole people. The relationship is severed. These people cannot go to God like we go to God. Do not take your relationship today for granted. There was a day... When one man had to go in for the entire people, killing stuff, offering up sacrifices, burning stuff. I mean, the, the list is out there what they had to do. This is just a short little piece of what they had to do. And we can simply say, Father, man, I messed up. Forgive me. I was out of line. I was out of your will. I ask you to cleanse me. Of sin, And you know what he does, man? It's so awesome. He doesn't just say, all right, I'll check it off. He doesn't even remember it. As far as the east is from the west, so are our sins. He does not even. I mean, if you go back and say, man, God, remember that time? No. I don't got no clue. That's what we live in today. Because when Jesus died, that veil to that temple came down, signifying that we, need, we now have free access. Uh, Hebrews says to uh, boldly enter. I mean, some of us are entering the throne room of grace, but we're not going in boldly. We're going in thinking God's going to wipe us out. We need to go in expecting God. And I don't mean this in a, in a, uh, in a way that is demoralizing or um, to, to lessen the price that Jesus paid, because the price he paid, man, I mean, if you kept that in front of you daily, it's hard to get out of line. But we need to go in knowing that what I'm, when I ask you to forgive my sins, they're gone. If we could see ourselves the way God sees us, we'll make all the more impact in this world. That's probably one of the number one things that I like to do is help people see themselves the way God sees them. Not the way churches make you see yourself. Not the way the world makes you see yourself. Not the way a lot of your friends or your family members make you see yourself. If I could help you see the way God sees yourself. I mean, what, what helps a man who was murdering Christians murdering people that are preaching and uh, preaching about Jesus and doing the works that he did and, and putting them in prison, torturing them, killing them. 
What causes that man to step up and say, none of that matters, and write two-thirds of the New Testament? I mean, when before Paul was Paul, when he was Saul, I mean, you talk about a past that could come and haunt you. You talk about the devil lying to you and trying to tell you who you are and who you really are and look at what you did and how in the world could God ever love you and do what he did and write the books that he did and, and help the churches that he did. I mean, your past, what, what you did was in, a, in high school, what we did growing up, the failures we made, the mistakes we made, that should not stop us from going on and doing what God's called us to do. And Paul didn't Paul didn't preach about uh didn't preach about heaven. Jesus didn't preach about heaven. Preached about the kingdom on earth. That's what he preached about. He didn't go you look it up. Jesus never said I've come here to die on the cross so I can yank you up to heaven. It's not what he said. He said, if you believe in me, the works that I have done, you will do. And even greater works on this earth. Look, you can't heal anybody in heaven. You can't get anybody saved in heaven. You can't help somebody financially in heaven. Your purpose is on this earth. Your purpose is to understand your rulership, your authority that you possess, the dominion you possess in this earth. Your purpose is your responsibility, doing God's work in this earth, not living for yourself, not living for what you want to do. I mean, it's terrible what this world has done. The thing is flip-flopped, I'm telling you. We are showing our teenagers that it is cool to be lazy. And if you can't be a rock star... If you can't be an athlete, if you can't be a hip-hop artist, if you can't be an actor, then you're nobody. That's what this world is preaching to our teenagers. And they're teaching them that being stupid is better than being smart. We, we have shown them that it's cool to wake up late, fail school, drop out of school, and sit on the corner and, and beat bop until you get enough money to go buy you some chicken. Steve Jobs just passed away. He had some money. And I'm sure he probably got picked on a little bit in high school. But I wonder how many of those people that were picking on him ended up working for him. And we've, we've uh, created this picture that this is, that is not your purpose. That is not our purpose. Our purpose is in this earth to be an influence for the kingdom of God. It's what Jesus preached about. It's what Paul preached about. It's what Peter preached about. It's what John preached about. It's what every disciple, every apostle talked about. They preached the name of Jesus and the kingdom of God. I mean, you got Jesus uh, bookending his life. The first thing he comes onto the scene, 30 years of age, comes on the scene uh, after John the Baptist says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he's about to uh, ascend, get yanked up into the clouds. And what does he do? Acts chapter 1, preaching the kingdom of God. He's got 500 people that are traveling or following around. He was with them for 40 days, preaching the kingdom of God. You look at uh, the book of Acts, began with the kingdom of God and ended what was, what was Paul doing those years that he was in jail? It says in here he spent two years preaching Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. Our gospel has changed. The church's gospel has changed. We've been preaching that on this earth you've got to bear with it. You've got to deal with it. Uh, you know, things come against us and God's trying to teach you a lesson and God's trying to show you something and just, just keep on roughing it out. Rulership. Be your own person. Live. Do what you want to do. Responsibility. You can't know God. You can't hear His voice. We're confused. I, I don't, God, what do you want me to do? I can't hear you. I can't see you. 
You have his word. You have his spirit living inside of you. Relationship. These are the three areas over the next three weeks. Do not miss. Because these three areas, if we can get our minds, I'm not talking your brain, I'm talking your mind. If you can get your mental capacity wrapped around these three areas and understand your position of rulership, your position and your responsibility on the earth, and your position in relationship with God, it will change your life. This is mind renewal. This is mind renewal. This is why he said renew your mind so you can offer yourself as a holy living sacrifice. You can't be a holy living sacrifice if you don't even know why you're here. You got to know who your God is. You got to know who your Father is. You got to know who you are. Remember, we said these things. If you don't even know who God is, how are you, and you don't know your position with Him, then how are you going to walk in the things He says in His Word that we can walk in? We have to renew our minds. And it's a daily process. At any point, any point in our lives, we can revert back to a sinful nature. We can revert back to living like we used to live. That sinful nature is always there. It's always there. But we have control over it. We have authority over it. And we need to learn to think the way God wants us to think. Because when you think the way he wants you to think, you will live the way he wants you to live. Amen? Father, we thank you for this word tonight. We thank you that you're opening our eyes to understand your word. To understand.